Recovery on the Road is a podcast about people sharing their recovery experiences from drugs and alcohol, trauma, and grief. My name is Heidi. I'm an alcoholic. As a backdrop, this podcast is based on interviews while I'm on the road across America's national parks, from Acadia in Maine to Glacier in Montana, all the way over to the Everglades in Florida. My hope is that what is shared will benefit you in your recovery. Today is July 24th, 2019. Thank you so much for being with us today, Tom. Could you please introduce yourself? Sure, I'm Tom, I'm an alcoholic. I'm from New York City originally. I'm retired now and I spend time in just outside of Tampa, Florida. And I spend my summers up here by Acadia Park in the town of Bar Harbor. What uh, does one day at a time mean to you and for you? What it's been for the last seven years that I'm sober is that I've actually slowed down my life. I don't look beyond the day. I just have to worry about not having a drink today. Um, working on my character defects. Um, I'm in a living amends with my wife at the moment. She's uh, my wife of 32 years. And for a good 25 of them, she was always worried about me being out drinking. Was I gonna be killed in a car accident? Was I gonna come home at night? Just where was I, the insecurity of that? And it's very damaging to a relationship, obviously. I'm lucky that she stayed with me. And like I said, I'm in the middle of a living amends with her. And as finally being the man that I'm supposed to be, the husband I'm supposed to be, just the man in general I'm supposed to be. That's awesome. That's a tricky part of our recovery is when, when we stop, I think some feel that that should be the instant cure-all and sometimes relationships take a long time to heal, if at all. Sure, well, in my case, now I'm seven years into my recovery. Now again, I'm retired, I'm now 70 years old. But I can say that after seven years of recovery, working on it a day at a time, this year, my wife was sitting on the end of the bed with me, we were talking in the morning like we often do when we first get up. And she turned to me unsolicited and said, Tom, I'm happy. Which was a tremendous gift. Wow. A tremendous wow. gift. That lets me know I'm making progress in repairing the damage that I did to our relationship. Am I perfect? Not by a long shot, but I have the hope nowadays to continue with the behaviors that I have begun to establish. So can you share a little bit about what happened to get you to the point of asking for help? Well, in my case, I had an intervention by the state of Massachusetts. I was on uh, Cape Cod, out in Provincetown, and I was alone. I was on a, a golf vacation all by myself. And what it typically, when I was still drinking, that was my favorite kind of vacation. I was alone, I could drink and drug 
the way I wanted to. The intervention came when I parked my car in a parking lot in Provincetown. I was there to go shopping for some sweatshirts, you know, for the family from Provincetown. Right, right. Uh, I had fallen asleep behind the wheel. My car was running to have the air conditioning on, and I was listening to music. The police knocked on the door, asked me to exit the car, asked me to provide them with a sobriety test of just walking a straight line, which I couldn't do without putting my hands on the shoulder of the policeman. Within a minute of that experience, I was handcuffed, put into a police car, taken to spend the night in jail in Provincetown. My car was impounded, my license was suspended on the spot, and since I lived in White Plains, New York at that time, I had to figure out a way how to get back to White Plains. My first call, other than my wife, was my in-laws. They live in Massachusetts. They came to get me, to drive me back to New York and drive my car back to New York because I was unable legally to do that. So that was the beginning of um, the end. That was actually the last time I ever had a drink. 18th of May, 2012. So what brought you into your 12-step program? Well, I did have to go back to court. So I was in front of a judge. The judge put me on probation for one year and assigned me a probation officer. And I often say I was really lucky that I was introduced to a probation officer who treated me like a human being. It doesn't always happen that way. There's support and lack of support by probation officers for the people that are responsible to submitting reports and going through different um, elements of their recovery for them, you know, to prove that you're no longer a reckless driver. Okay. You know, they are actually courses that you take. Okay. Um, he, I think it's humorously, suggested that I might want to try AA. Now, he could have mandated that to me, but did not. So, a couple, it took me a couple weeks. For a couple weeks, I just didn't drink. And I was, the expression is, I was white-knuckling it. Okay. But then I said, you know what, let me... I looked up a meeting in White Plains, and I went to the uh, Mount Zion Church in White Plains, and there was a man standing out in front of the uh, hall, and he said, hi, my name's Bill. Are you looking for a meeting? And, you know, once you're in the program and you realize that, uh, you know, Bill is, uh, as, lo- as well as Dr. Uh, um, Dr. Bob. Dr. Is Bob, there, there, thank yeah, you. Yeah. You know, that those are two important names in the program. So I just thought it was a wonderful coincidence that Bill welcomed me into my first meeting and set me down, and that was the beginning of me going to meetings. It, it's interesting how we also hear that we get what we need when we need it. Now, is, is um, spirituality a part of your life and recovery? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, one of the first meetings I went to, again, I travel up and down the East Coast. Uh, when I was still in the workplace, um, it was different. 
But as soon as I retired, and that's about 10 years ago now, I retired 10 years ago, we used to rent for a few months in Sarasota, Florida. Okay. So very early in my recovery, I used to go to the Gratitude Club, and that's in Sarasota proper, and they have about 10 meetings a day. And th I went to a small afternoon meeting, and the woman who was uh, chairing said, you know, this is a spiritual program. And it's funny, it just hit me like a ton of bricks, because I've always been, um, I, I would say, you know, to begin with, you're religious. You know, you're brought up, I was brought up as a Catholic. But there was a spiritual aspect in my life. Uh, I was lucky enough to have met uh, the Dalai Lama and had the opportunity to have him provide um, or perform a ceremony, it's called a black crown ceremony, and it's meant to free your mind forever, is, the, is what the intent is. So, since that time, I've always had this spiritual thing going on with me. Not religious, but just to know that there's, you know, and again, I think sometimes uh, in AA especially, the notion of a higher power is a way for most people to have some acceptance that there is some other uh, aspect to our lives. Again, not religion, but spirituality. Um, so what, in, in, a, in a nutshell, what does spirituality mean? Is it soulful? You know, how would you describe most that? Most of it is, you know, I would describe it as, um, well, for instance, on uh, page 99 in the 12 and 12, there's the prayer of St. Francis. And that's something that I read regularly. Because, you know, we talk about when you're in the program, and I've been through the steps with a sponsor, that you live the steps. You know, you live by the principles that the steps are. Uh, but sometimes I wanted some more meat on the bones. What does that really mean? Right. And there are suggestions that St. Francis gives to you on how um, you should be living your life. And sometimes I boil it down to something as simple when I'm talking to others, to on a daily basis be the light and be the love to others. So when I'm, of course, when I'm in the fellowship, it's more clearly understood, more easily accepted. But I also take that to the outside world. And sometimes I say, it, it's ambitious. I am being ambitious. I want to be the light and the love for the world at large, not just for the fellowship. I want it to be for the world at large. And that's how I conduct my, my life. And if I'm being, again, I mentioned it before in regards to my wife, if I'm being the man that I'm supposed to be on a daily basis with the world, the world will be better. I know that that's the, that's the case. So that's how I live my life nowadays. And I'm tremendously happy as a consequence. There are days, I was in New York not long ago in the spring, and I had made amends to a couple of people um, that needed f for me to do that. And I felt as if I were literally floating a couple of inches off the ground. I wasn't walking anymore. Yeah. I, was, I literally had the notion, the experience of drifting spiritually because I knew that I was more in tune with the world around me, you know, with the universe at large. You know, the, the 
it's amazing. For me, I know that the happier I am, it seems the happier others are because I think also it's perspective and it's faith and hope and, and, and it does work. For me, that I know spirituality is it, it is subjective, mm-hmm. and that's why we're here today, and that's why we'll we'll I'll be meeting with other people throughout the country, with a uh, with a national park theme, and when you travel, can you explain to us how you find a meeting if you're in a in a state or a county that you're unfamiliar with? Sure. Well. Again, the, the best news is once you walk into the rooms of AA, they sort of tell you how it works. I mean, there's a chapter in the big book, obviously, how it works. But in the fellowship, there are people who just they reach out to you. It's unsolicited. They tell you, hey, you know, when you're on the road, especially in early sobriety, they don't want you to drink. Yeah. They say, find a meeting. So, I mean, luckily nowadays with the electronics that we have, you know, you can Google uh, meetings in Bar Harbor, for instance, and I found meetings every day of the week on this island. So again, when I was in my earliest sobriety, in my first few months of sobriety, I knew that at St. Savior's Church down in Bar Harbor, there's a meeting. Tuesdays is for a step study, 12 and 12. Thursdays is the big book. Wednesdays at lunch, there's a topic meeting. Monday nights, there's a topic meeting. In other words, you are resourceful, you reach out, you ask the questions. The best meeting that I ever found on the island, a woman who's doing what her sponsor told her to do, and that is reach out to strangers, talk to them. Talk to them about you, talk to them about your program. I had a woman, her name is Allison here on the island. I met her at St. Savior's and she said, Tom, do you know on Saturday mornings, at 9.30, the best meeting on the island is over in Northeast Harbor at St. Mary's Church. I started going to that meeting. That's where I found my sponsor. And it's just... And you got what you needed when you needed it. It's unbelievable because, the, again, the joy. In fact, if you are... If you're on the island on Saturday, I insist that you go. Okay. I suggest okay. mightily that you try it. Um, Last week, we celebrated close to 300 years of sobriety. There were 11 people celebrating their anniversaries. And uh, they call me Baby Tom because I'm I'm only here for seven years in the program. A lot of the other people were celebrating 39 years, 30 years, 29, 19. That's cool. That's very impressive. It's important for newcomers to see that, that, that there is longevity in recovery. Yeah. When I first used to vacation here in Bar Harbor, I only knew my bartender who was at the golf club that I belong to where we are speaking now, Kibo Valley. I didn't know anybody else in the town. I knew a couple guys I played golf with. Since I've come into the fellowship, I know people on the island, everywhere, every town. And it's a very happy place for me to be as a consequence. So you go, you, you're here at uh, the Mount Desert Mountain. Uh, Mount, De- uh, Mount Desert Island. Mount Desert, Desert Island, which the Acadia National Park location is part of. Yep. Is part of. And 
there's meetings all around the Bar island? In the town of Bar Harbor, okay. in the town of Southwest Harbor, in the town of Northeast Harbor, in Somesville. So there are five or six little towns on the island itself where you can go to meetings. If you leave the island and just go to another town called Ellsworth, there are more meetings there. Okay. So it's, it's pretty easy to find a meeting. But again, you always have to coach people and let them know. Yes, because it is hard for somebody in, in early recovery to ask questions when they're unfamiliar with they don't know what, they ask. what questions to ask. Yeah, exactly. They don't even know what they ask. Yeah. <laughs> Neither did I, you know. That's why some people give you unsolicited advice, which is wonderful. Suggestions, they just keep coming at you. Yeah, they do. So it, now, there's three concepts, unity, service, and recovery. At the beginning of your recovery, the beginning of your, your 12-step program, unity, service, and recovery meant to you... Oh, it was a concept that was somewhat alien to me. I started to learn about the separate components of it. You know, service was brought to my attention, you know. And for me, many people, guys that I met in early sobriety, some of them had lost their licenses. They need a ride to a meeting. That's service. That's something I can do. That's easy for me to do. You know, you learn that there are things that you can do for other people in the fellowship. That's service. I've learned that going to a meeting is service to others for them to see me every day at a meeting. Wherever it is on the island, they're likely to see me. Right. That's service. I'm letting them know I'm still sober. And, and for, so there's unity, service, and recovery. So your recovery part, how has that changed from the beginning? So what was your recovery basics uh, newly into the program as opposed to how they are now? Or well, are they the same? Well, when I first came in, there was the terror of thinking about drinking again. And again, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a man that drank for 45 to 50 years. And I never thought twice about it being the right or wrong thing, really. So once I began my recovery, I'll give you a for instance. I remember going to the first wedding that I had to go to, which was only maybe oh. a month or so into, and I think I probably drank about 15 Virgin Marys because the compulsion to have a drink in my hand and to drink it still was very powerful. In fact, I can look back at photographs of my life. I am never without a drink in my hand. Never. It makes sense. That's it what makes it was sense about. to you and, and, yeah. and me. Yeah. But you know, as the year as the years have started to build over time, I have other things that I'm doing. I'm not it's funny, I I'm more confident in my recovery nowadays. I don't feel as at risk as I did previously. But also part of that is because my focus is no longer just me. My focus is outside on other people that I'm uh, friends with, working with, in recovery. So we talk about staying sober, you know, and or we talk about what our problems are um, so that we can face things. We don't have to be alone anymore to face things. And that's a part of recovery that's amazing to me. Unity, you know, it's really funny. The, um, 
most people like to do the, talk about the 12 steps or study the 12 steps, not so much the traditions. But then you get to realize that the traditions is what holds the organization together, right. you know. And uh, again, that's kind of, it's deep. That requires some thinking, and it's not as much fun. Yeah. You know? It's amazing how it's honored and questions are asked about it. Okay, so another, what I want to do is, is wrap this up a little bit, and we're at Kibo. Kibo Valley Golf Valley Club. Valley Golf Club. And Kibo Valley is actually a valley within Acadia National Park. Well, That's I was, what this is named oh, after. Oh, okay. So I, I saw a plaque, and it said one of the bridges in Kibo um, it, is um, over the, the valley. It was built in 1938. Mm. So there's some newness but yet longevity to this area as well this club was founded in uh, uh, 1888 wow okay so it's one of the, it's the eighth oldest club in America it's the oldest club in Maine it used to be a club for the wealthy this is where the Rockefellers the Ford family people like that played um, the symbol for this club as you'll see there's two horses on the side Yep. Or on my shirt. Uh, this is on my hat. Because there used to be a little racetrack in the center here. So they had nine holes, holes of golf. They had a racetrack. And they also had tennis. Wow. And it was a social club as well. Right. Okay. Yeah. In fact, there were fun. some pictures here I could show you. But um, So ironically, we're in the 19th hole, which is... Traditionally where we drank. Yeah. So eight years ago, this is where you drank. Today... This is where you have salad. When I walk in the door, the bartender, Holly, always puts a iced tea in front of me. When I first became when I first became sober, I apologized to her. I made an amends to her and I said, Holly, I'm not gonna be drinking like I used to be drinking. Because I was always at the bar for four or five hours after my round of golf. Once Bombay Sapphire was my drink of choice. I got in my car. Now, again, I only live four-tenths of a mile away. But when I got to my house, I fell out of the car. Just half of me, my head, hit a gravel road in front of my house. Okay. You know, big, yeah. big rocks. Right. You know, and I couldn't get out of the car to begin with. And then I literally had no power. I was crawling to the front door of my house. My wife came out. She can't move me. I'm, she's a diminutive woman. She's on the small side. She couldn't lug me around. She was horrified to see the shape that I was in. Horrified. Heart-wrenching for her. Yes. And today she's happy. Today she, she actually told me that she's happy. That's and that's beautiful. a tremendous, tremendous contrast in how my life used to be and how it is today. So I want to just leave with the with last... Lastly, your favorite quote that you will find yourself going to. You know what's funny? Sometimes, take it easy. You know, because we are so hard on ourselves. I was talking about it just yesterday at a meeting to tell people, to remind people to be kind to yourself. Of course, be kind to others, but be kind to yourself. And that it folds in easily to take it easy. 
because we are so intense. When we were drinking, it's horrible. You know, we're always a, a wreck. Yeah. You know, we always are looking to criticize others. Again, I come from a family of two alcoholics. My mother and father would always be criticizing me. I never knew what to do. I never knew what the next but, right thing was. I just And didn't. the next right thing is to be on the right road, mm. which is the title of my website. Mm. And this podcast is Recovery on the Road. And I appreciate your time. You've been a lovely man. Mm. And I'm so thankful and grateful that I met you at the meeting on Tuesday afternoon. It's a noontime meeting. And hopefully I'll see you again. Thank you very much. It was a delight to meet you as well. Thank you.